I'm Bethany Van Delft, and this is the 10 News, where we get the lowdown on what's up in the world. It's Tuesday, June 29th. With the 4th of July coming up, we're seeing red, white, and blue. Whether you were born in the United States or emigrated here, Independence Day is a celebration for all people who live, work hard, and make up these United States of America. Today we're talking about citizenship, and we'll hear from a young activist, Idalia Quinteros, fighting for the rights of youth in the U.S. So let's dive in. The U.S. has a lot of candles to blow out. This July 4th marks 245 years since the original colonies declared their independence from England. Awesome. And their celebration went all out with patriotic parades and speeches like we still do these days. Hear ye, hear ye! With the addition of awesome fireworks shows and backyard barbecues. It's also a tradition in the United States to hold citizenship ceremonies on Independence Day. A citizenship or naturalization ceremony is the final step in becoming a citizen of the United States. It's where applicants take what's called the oath of allegiance to the country. So how do you become a U.S. citizen? If you're born in the United States, you're automatically one. Yes. But since its founding, the U.S. has been a nation of immigrants. Over the centuries, millions looking for new lives have come to the U.S. Many come for a job, school, or to be near family. And to stay, people are issued a travel document called a visa, which allows them to remain in the country for a certain period of time. Some immigrants choose to become citizens, and to do that, they need to go through an application process. Today, it's estimated that more than 40 million people living in the U.S. were born in another country. That's incredible. Some are citizens, while others are not. Three quarters of the immigrants are in the U.S. legally, while about 11 million are what's known as undocumented. Some undocumented people crossed the border illegally, but the majority simply overstayed their visas. For years, past presidents have tried to address undocumented immigrants The Biden administration has pledged to make it a smoother and less costly process to legally immigrate and roll back a number of restrictions that were put in place over the last four years. So as we get ready to celebrate on the 4th of July, wave your flags for the country as a whole and for all the people who contribute to this land of opportunity. June 15th was the ninth anniversary of an immigration program called Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA for short. DACA was established to protect people brought to the U.S. as children from being deported, which means forced to leave the country. It's faced a lot of challenges since it was established, but is currently protected thanks to an executive order signed by President Biden in the first few days of his presidency. But that doesn't mean this immigration issue is solved. Not every young person brought to the U.S. qualifies for DACA. And it doesn't give participants a path to become a United States citizen. These young people, DACA or not, are often called dreamers. They number in the millions. Our correspondent Pamela Kirkland got a chance to talk with Idalia Quinteros about her life as a dreamer and her work to improve the lives of immigrant youth in the U.S., The term dreamer comes from legislation called the DREAM Act, 
It was introduced in 2001, but every one of the 11 versions of the bill introduced in Congress would provide a legal pathway to citizenship for these young immigrants. The 2021 version, the Dream and Promise Act, could benefit up to 4.4 million people eligible for permanent status. Being a DACA recipient means you're able to get things like a work permit, a driver's license. But as a dreamer who doesn't qualify for DACA, Idalia isn't able to get any of those benefits. Now, she's on the front lines of the fight to push Congress to act on immigration legislation. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I know you're a student. Um, I think I read your family's from El Salvador, and obviously you're working alongside United We Dream. So, um, yeah, I came here to the United States when I was about eight years old. Um, So I do remember my home country, El Salvador, just a little bit. I stayed with my grandparents um, and they were they were great. They were, you know, my second parents um, and they treated me like their own. But I was away from my parents for about four years. When you were separated from your parents, you know, leaving El Salvador, what was the goal when you came to the U.S.? Was it better education or more opportunities? Yeah. So for my parents, it was a better life. Also away from from crime, because at that moment where we were living was very uh, crime was like getting worse. And me, you know, as a kid, honestly, all I wanted was to be with my parents. So I wasn't really thinking, you know, education or money or any of that at that moment. I just wanted, you know, to be with my family again. But then now, you know, I realized, yeah, like my parents, you know, if they hadn't came here, like I wouldn't I don't know where I would be at. Kind of along that same lines, you've been really involved in protesting and, you know, basically lobbying Congress to protect dreamers, to protect people who are here under DACA. Well, I started uh, volunteering with United We Dream like my senior year of high school. Uh, When I learned about them, they did a workshop at my high school when I was uh, trying to apply for college. Right. So it was really that's one of the, the most difficult things to do as an undocumented student to apply for college. So that's when I became, you know, like interested and, and invested in, in, in their mission, uh, which is to, you know, like advance those type of, of policies that that protect immigrants. Why is it important for young people like you to be so vocal in shaping this legislation and explaining what's necessary? Because I think a lot of people just don't understand how difficult simple everyday things can be simply because you're listed as an undocumented status. So I think for young people, sometimes it's easier to come out and, you know, express ourselves. Um, I know that a lot of older families, older immigrant families, a lot of the time are scared to, you know, say that they're undocumented. If we don't do anything right now, like what's what's going to happen in the future? Nothing's going to change. Right. So, yeah, like we're doing this for us right now, but we're also setting it for the people uh, that are to come. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important. To hear more of our conversation with Adalia, check out this Saturday's episode of The 10 News. And to learn more about her work, visit unitedwedream.org. Now, let's check in on some headlines. The Supreme Court ruled last week that college athletes can now receive some educational payments for things like academic awards and tutoring. This money is something that the NCAA, the organization that manages student-athletes, has blocked in the past. 
It's a big win for student athlete advocates who want to see more money from an industry that makes billions of dollars in the hands of students. In pandemic news, officials are closely watching the status of the Delta virus variant. It was first identified in India, but has spread, and experts warn that it could become the world's top strain. Officials in the U.S. are particularly concerned about states with lower vaccination rates since the variant is causing surges in some hospitals. Okay, that's bad. The pandemic has also caused the Girl Scouts to overflow with cookies. Scouts have been selling the tasty treats for over a century, and normally about 200 million boxes go really quickly. But with door-to-door sales limited because of the pandemic, they have a few million extra cookie boxes on hand. The Scouts plan to keep selling, even through online ordering, until the snacks are sold. Cookie! And while there may be too many cookies, there are too few wings. The latest shortage brought on by the pandemic is chicken wings. The shortage was caused by an uptick in takeout orders when restaurants closed down, plus trying to meet the demand. <laughs> Lucky you, it's... What? What? What's the big idea? Trivia on the 10. One of the steps to becoming a U.S. citizen is to take a citizenship exam. So today, we're going to see if you can answer a real question from the test. Are you ready? How many amendments does the Constitution have? Is it A, 12, B, 23, or C, 27? Did you guess it? The answer is C. 27. A study actually determined that this was one of the hardest out of 100 possible questions that can be on the exam. But throughout the United States history, the Constitution has only been amended or changed 27 times. The first was adding the Bill of Rights, and the last was in 1992, and it addressed compensation to members of Congress. All the questions for the citizenship exam are available to study online. To pass, you have to be able to answer six out of ten questions that are picked. Can you get them all right? Uh, help? I know I can't. Time's up! But before we go, here's a quick note for the grown-ups. Thanks for listening to The 10 News. Look out for new episodes on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and extras on Saturdays. You can go deeper into today's stories by visiting the10news.com. The 10 News is a co-production of Small But Mighty Media and Next Chapter Podcasts and is distributed by iHeartRadio. The 10 News creative team is busy ordering Thin Mints and includes Kate Hale, Tracy Crooks, Pete Musto, Jenner Pasqua, and Sarah Olinder. Pamela Kirkland contributed to this episode. Our production director is Jeremiah Tittle, and our executive producers are Donald Albright and show creator Tracy Leeds Kaplan. I'm Bethany Van Delft, and thanks for listening to The 10 News. And may the 4th be with you. Oh, wait. Is that the wrong holiday? <laughs> <laughs>